All right. Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Proverbs 31, if you're using a pew Bible, that's on page uh, 701. So Proverbs 31. Having turned there, uh, let's stand as you're able for the reading of God's Word. Starting at verse 10. An excellent wife who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let the works praise her in the gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. And we pray that by your spirit, you'd use it to change us inside and out. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. You know, there is a danger, there, there's a lot of um, debate amongst pastors. How do you preach Mother's Day? Uh, do you preach the ideal woman and hold up a standard that no one can hit, and then everyone leaves feeling really discouraged? Okay. We, we hold that for Father's Day. That's what we do on Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, mostly, I'm mostly kidding. Uh, so... But then on the other hand, and this is what I've done the last few years, it has, is, is that we've, I've highlighted the difficulty of motherhood and talked about how we can rely on the Lord in the midst of the difficulties of motherhood. And that's an important thing too. Um, Proverbs 31, though, it's just an amazing text. And it does hold out a standard, right, of a godly woman uh, in, in many ways that other parts of Scripture hold out godly standards uh, for godly men and fathers. And so our goal in looking at God's Word is that we might see what we should aspire to, uh, appreciate those whom the Lord has given to us, uh, and also turn to the Lord for help. Because one thing we'll notice in this text is that while there are many wonderful things that this godly, proverbial godly woman does, in fact, I think 15 of the 21 verses actually speak of her doing something, 
I'll, I'll look at my notes later to get that number right. Uh, the, the reality is that the very basis of why she's being praised is because her heart has been transformed by the Lord. Ultimately, the thing that makes her praiseworthy is that she has a love and a relationship with Jesus. And when there is that love and relationship of the Lord, it transforms a woman, a mother, a man, a husband. It transforms us all. This is what we've been created for, to to give glory to God, to glorify Him, and to enjoy Him forever. And as we enjoy Him forever, we see... We see God's work in our lives begin to change us from the inside out, and it transforms every part of our lives. The portrait here of a godly woman has this final result in in 28. We read, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. It is an amazing thing to be married to such a woman, uh, to have such a mother, a grandmother, or to have people in your lives who have played motherly roles. There are many great things that are mentioned here about such women, but but preeminently, primarily, centrally, it is that she has a heart that has been transformed by Jesus. So when the gospel comes into our lives, it transforms every part of our lives. When we go from being dead spiritually to alive spiritually, life comes into our hearts. Life begins to pervade every part of our lives imperfectly, incrementally, uh, partially. All those things are true. But it begins to show up in life. You know, the, the woman that is mentioned here is not the trophy wife of our culture and from Glamour magazines. I think that's something really important for us to remember, is that there is a lot of pressure, especially on teenage girls. I just want to take a minute and say, if you're a a parent of a teenage girl or a grandparent of teenage girls, you really need to guard their access to social media, especially TikTok, especially Snapchat, uh, and and, and all those other ones that I don't know about. And the reason for that is because the standard that is being set before your daughters and granddaughters is that if they aren't beautiful and dressing in a scantily manner, then they're worthless. And the Bible would say to that, no, a thousand times no. In fact, we read here in verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Now, charm is wonderful. In fact, the word charm here elsewhere is translated as grace or gracious, favor. It's a positive thing. He's not saying there's, there's a problem with being charming or being beautiful. Those are great things. Uh, but these things won't commend you to the Lord. These things are not where your value is. Your value is in Christ. It is in Christ. You know, before... Uh, the resolution on our screens went from zero pixels, it seems like, in the old days. I guess they were. They were vacuum tubes. Uh, to I was at Walmart yesterday, and it was a, 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 like a, a TV larger than my house for $600. And I, it's, I stopped because it had the most vibrant colors. And they had one of these uh, nature you know, uh, Blu-rays playing that, just, that were showing off the detail. But you know, in the days of Andy Griffith, in the days of I Love Lucy, when on, on, on sets, set designers could use masking tape 
on the wall to cover up holes. And that's because you couldn't see it because it had such low resolution. Right? And now we have these things in our hands that have a higher resolution than was possible 10, 15 years ago on any screen. And we can see every flaw and every problem. And things that were once seen as charming and beautiful, now, wow, look at that blemish. She needs some work done. Right? That's what our culture says. And the Bible would say to that, don't look for that, young men. By the way, Proverbs is written to young men. And this chapter is about the kind of woman that a a young man should look for in a wife. Don't look for that. Charming is wonderful. Charm is wonderful. What does it say? It is deceitful. Beauty is in vain. Because sometimes beauty may fade with age. It's true. So if beauty and charm aren't the primary qualities of a woman who is called blessed, what are those primary qualities that would uh, qualify a woman to be blessed? And the primary one is a heart that has been transformed by Jesus because this verse 30, it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is in vain. And it continues, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, there are many wonderful, charming memories that I have of my childhood of my uh, grandmother's Uh, and my mother. My grandmothers have gone to be with Jesus. Um, My grandmother, all back, was a terrible cook. Awful, terrible cook. Uh, But she could cook cornbread dressing and bacon. Uh, My grandmother, Johnson, uh, while in a wheelchair, she gave amazing gifts. She had no money. And so she would save her pennies, literally, and put them in a Mrs. Dash um, seasoning bottle, And on my birthday, she would hand me a bottle full of pennies. And it was a big deal, right? That's charming. That shows actually a great love for the Lord. My mother, who is awesome and still is, great sense of humor, very smart woman. These are all wonderful things, but the thing that sets them apart is their love for the Lord. That's what made them great mothers. Each and grandmothers, each of their hearts been transformed by the Lord you know, so the, the, the greatest thing as a son, as a grandson, was not the cooking <laughs> or the gifts, uh, but the gift that God gave to them of salvation, of a heart that had been transformed by Jesus through the working out of the Holy Spirit in their lives. My grandmothers knew, and my, grand, my, my mother now knows, uh, that they can't save themselves, but, but fully trusted in Jesus what he alone could do. This is the greatest legacy of a mother, to fear the Lord. So, so when we read fear the Lord, what does that mean? It, it doesn't mean uh, being terrified. It, it, it might be better translated in our culture as reverential awe, a relationship with God, worship, love, trust, faith. The, these, this is the thing that will last forever. Indeed, it will last forever because the legacy of a godly mother doesn't end upon a mother's death. That as she is invested in her children, not just her children, perhaps someone is not blessed with children, uh, is, is, is a blessing to those around her as she fulfills that, that role of encourager and pointing people to Jesus. This is the thing that lasts forever. I remember my grandmother Allback would take me to midnight communion at the Episcopal Church. Um, only time I've ever done that. My grandmother Johnson always found, I've used this so many times, we'll continue, so always 
to be found reading this, this Bible, um, often asleep in her wheelchair. My mother is a, an exceedingly godly woman of prayer and the word, always eager to lift us up. These are the legacies of a woman who is called blessed, a woman who fears the Lord. The rest of the text shows us that a transformed heart does indeed lead to a transformed life. Isn't it good news that we don't have to say the same? I need that good news. That's the hope of the gospel, that the gospel, when it comes in our hearts and it begins to change us, and don't think it's too late to change, by the way. Perhaps you're a mother with children who are grown. It's not too late to change. As, you, as the Lord shows you things that need to, there's forgiveness, there's, there's reconciliation. The Holy Spirit is still at work. He doesn't stop. He won't stop working in our hearts until we go to be with Jesus. It's a lifelong process, what the Bible calls sanctification, that we would grow more and more like Christ as we are enabled to put to death sin in our lives and, and live more and more unto godliness. So where do we see this transformed life in the Proverbs 31 woman? First is that she has a character that has been transformed by the Lord and His good news. That's what happens when the Spirit comes inside of us. He begins to change our character. We go from, I think uh, John Matthew used to talk about, we, we go from liking pancakes to waffles. Uh, you know, someone who hated pancakes one day, or, or vice versa, whatever it was, uh, you know, all of a sudden finds they like those. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. And we've been made new, regenerated, and we have been born again. You know, we, we see this in Scripture. Um, we see it with Paul, I think, is perhaps the best example. In one day, he went from hating Christians, dragging them uh, back to Jerusalem so that they might stand trial and be killed many times, to being the chief apostle to the Gentiles, whom he hated more than he hated the Jews who loved Jesus. I mean, talk about a man who went from one extreme to the other, being prideful about his heritage, and now being humble and saying that he was the chief of all sinners. That, that kind of transformation comes from Jesus. A transformed heart leads to transformed character. One of the things we see very clearly in this passage is that the Proverbs 31 woman has a servant's heart. You know, the life of a mother is one of service, isn't it? It is a life of service. You know, getting up in the middle of the night, taking care of children, sleepless nights, and concern and prayer, the heartache, the financial strain. It is indeed a life of service. In verse 15, uh, we see that she rises in the night in order to prepare food for her household, and she even gives portions of it to the servants who live with her. Uh, we find that she works diligently to keep her children clothed, something that would have taken a lot of work. Look at verse 19. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands to the spindle. Um, I didn't know what this was. Maybe you do. You know, when we want clothes, what do we do? Amazon.com. Walmart. Uh, we used to go to goodies, but no more. Uh, if you have clothing needs, they can be met within about a 15-minute time frame. That was not the case back then. Everything that a family wore was handmade, including the thread. The distaff was this thing. Let me read it and make sure I get it right. Uh, a distaff is something that holds 
um, fibers like cotton, wool, or flax. And so the woman would hold the distaff above her head and the spindle with her other hand, and she would turn those fibers and spin them into a thin cord as she spun the spindle, and then the thread would wrap around on the spindle that she could then use to begin to weave to make clothing. So you went from a pile of wool and fibers or flax, and every step had to be done handmade. There was never any um, time in which her hands were not doing something, even at night around the fire. Can you, can you imagine that? I, 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 that's a lot. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. You know, her industry um, and always workingness isn't just for herself. She doesn't look at others who have had hardship or poverty or physical needs. There have been so many widows in these days and say, yeah, I worked hard for mine. You're going to have to work hard for yours. Instead, her her hand holds loosely to the money she would have earned from her industry. You know, godly mothers point us to the service of Christ. Godly mothers point us to the service of Christ. You know, Christ laid aside His glory with a servant's heart that was due to Him, this glory that He might lay down His life for the good of, for the salvation of, for the eternal destinies of those whom He loved. When godly mothers lay aside their own ambitions, their own desires, and even sleep for the good of their children, they're pointing us not to themselves, but to Jesus. Well, in their character, the Proverbs 31 woman also has wisdom and kindness. Verse 24, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She is a wise woman. Where does this wisdom come from? It comes from a vibrant relationship with the Lord. It comes from His Word. When faced with issues, she seeks a Lord that she might find wisdom, something that He gives without reproach. You know, one of the greatest ministries that an older woman can have is mentoring younger women, younger ladies, in just how to navigate life, navigate marriage, navigate being a mother, because um, every season has its own challenges. And, and ladies, I would encourage you to seek out some of the, the younger ladies and, and invest in them. That you might point them uh, not only to practical things, but to a vibrant heart that loves the Lord and what that looks like in the midst of the throes of a schedule that just doesn't seem to end and discouragement through um, challenges in the home. What an amazing ministry. Well, transformed relationships ensue as well. You know, when the Holy Spirit grabs hold of us, and when He works in our hearts, it begins to, um, it begins to affect those around us. And one of the ways it does that is through transformed relationships with those around us. In this text, we see... Uh, that she has a blessed relationship with her husband. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Verse 12, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Um, 
her husband thinks so highly of her, verse 29. Many, may women, excuse me, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Um, you know, the thing is that the gospel gives hope to every relationship. All of us have strained relationships with somebody, or maybe everybody. Uh, there, there is hope. For relationships. Now, sometimes there still needs to be distance. I'm not talking about if it's an unsafe thing. But, but there is hope for every marriage. There's hope for every wayward child, every grandchild who has gone away from the narrow path. I don't, I don't care if you've been married five years or 50 years. Jesus is able to work in our relationships. Because He has reconciled us to the Father, and now the Spirit lives within us, and He empowers us for holy living, and He enables us to say, I'm sorry, and to bury the hatchet, not in someone's back, right? To to bury the hatchet, to let go of old wounds. And there are enough pews in this room to know that there are a lot of wounds. And there are wounds that you may have perpetrated. But I'm here to tell you that that Jesus is able to work on those things. Because you know what? He changed me from being dead in my sin to alive in Christ. And if He can raise the spiritual dead, then He can take care of anything else. Ask in His name and He will give it to you. I read that this morning in my Bible study. Twice in John 15, we're told that. If we're told twice in one chapter, I think Jesus really meant it. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. He has made peace between us and the Father. And when we think about our squabbles and our families, they pale in comparison to what we have done against the Father. That we would transgress His holy law. That we would sin against His character. And what has He done for us? Instead of condemning us, He has condemned His Son. That because His Son has been condemned, we might be forgiven. And because we have been forgiven, therefore, we can forgive others. We can let it go. The last area in which we see the transformed life of the Proverbs 31 woman is just how active she is. Uh, At least 10, I got the number wrong later, earlier, Uh, At least 10 of the 21 verses in this text have to say something about this woman being a hard-working, industrious, skilled, clever woman involved with the buying and selling in the marketplace. She deals in real estate. She buys things from afar for her family. She's busy with making things for the family and to sell. This is a strong woman. She does not have a, 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 a... She does not eat the bread of laziness in 27. She is strong and dignified in 25. You know, God has created every one of us different, even down to the design of the genders. There are two genders, and they cannot, you can't intermingle. You know, they, they, you're always that gender is what I'm trying to say. There, there are two genders, and God has uh, defined them, has characterized them in different ways. Right? And the caricature, often of the culture, against what um, the Bible says is the proper um, division of roles in the family... The world says that for a wife to lovingly to submit to her husband means that she's dirt. And that's not true, is it? Because this, this, the Proverbs 31 woman, she's a pretty strong lady. 
She's out there uh, working. She's, she's out there uh, making things for her family. She's buying and selling real estate. She, it says she wears purple here. And purple was super duper expensive. It could only be made by the crushing of snails, of sea snails, from a specific area. In fact, even the wealthy of wealthies would often just wear a little patch of purple on them because it was that expensive. Rather, the, the biblical role of husbands and wives is a gorgeous thing where a husband lays down his life for his wife, leading her as Christ has led the church. And God created for man a helpmate, someone to come alongside and support and do this thing together. It's a beautiful thing. So if someone ever criticizes the biblical view of what's called complementarianism, where husbands and wives complement each other, just point them to Proverbs 31. It's this gorgeous picture of what God calls our relationships to look like. Well, in each one of these, I've sought, I don't know how well I've done, but I've sought to connect what is said of the godly woman to how Jesus serves, leads, saves us. You know, the thing is that we have all failed. We have all failed to live up to the standard of what fathers are meant to be, of what husbands are meant to be, of what mothers are supposed to be, of what wives. We've all failed. And we fail every day. And the answer is not to get defensive and say, I, I haven't failed. Right? I didn't do that. There's no hope in that. Rather, it is to accept the love and forgiveness of Jesus, to be reminded of His example for us, and to rely upon the Holy Spirit daily that we might live in our relationships as God has called us. Because this is what your Savior has done for you. He, he knew about your failures. He knew about my failures. Not just this area, every area of our life, in thought, word, and deed, every day, and the things we do and the things we don't do, the things we sin against Him, the things we sin against others, even our good works are tainted with sin. And none of that's a surprise to Jesus. That's why He came. Because we're messed up folks. And Jesus came to forgive us, to pardon us for all our sins, to pay for the, the penalty that you and I deserve because we failed in every way, that we might be the children of God. That's where our hope is. It's not in our resume of our successes and failures as mothers and fathers. It's not how well we raised our children or how well we didn't raise our children. Our hope is in Jesus. And that then enables us, when we find our identity in Christ, it actually enables us to be good husbands, good fathers, good wives, good mothers. Because our relationships cannot bear the weight that only Jesus can. So, how do we end? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. All of Scripture is about Jesus, including this text. He is the one that gives us hope. He is the one who heals us from past wounds. He is the one who enables us to let go of past wrongs. He is the one who enables us, because He has forgiven us, to ask for forgiveness of others when we have wronged uh, them. Look to Jesus, uh, because He is our only hope in this life and the next. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word and for the standard that You hold before us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would look to Jesus more and more to 
uh, transform our relationships with the same kind of love and forgiveness we have had and received from you that we would extend it to others. Uh, Lord, help us to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Help us to respond well when we fail and when they fail and when we fail against them. Lord, help us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to conclude our service as we stand and sing 536, Happy the Home When God is There. Let's stand and sing. receive God's good word to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace both in this life and the next. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.